Remember the salad luncheon on Friday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. that the um, uh, Fried Hardeman Associates are putting on. Especially remember that there will be one-way traffic at the building during that time. Entrance should be made on the south side entrance. And I noticed that yeah, Jeremy pointed that way. I noticed Jim put Tishomingo County directions on here in parentheses. It says on the right, if facing the building. Uh, so I could get here with those directions. So this side, the line will proceed around the back of the building to the annex where the takeouts will be obtained. Tickets or money will be handled at the table before getting to the annex. So that's the salad luncheon on Friday. Please support that if you can at all. The Golden Circle plans to go to the pit stop in Corinth for breakfast on Monday, and the bus will leave the annex at 8.15 a.m. And Jim said that he had placed some, some of those menus back there on the welcome uh, table if you want to look at those. And don't forget, of course, we have a number of teenagers and adults who are at Maywood this week um, serving uh, God in that capacity. And I hope you'll remember them in your prayers. And then, Lord willing, we'll have another group in the latter part of July who are preparing to go, and we'll have, as well as some who will be gone that same week that uh, some of us are going to Maywood, we'll have a group gone to the eighth session at Mid-South as well. So pray about those things. Tonight, as we begin our services, as we begin our Bible class, let's take a moment and focus our hearts uh, in prayer as we begin to study. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you've allowed us to see this day. Thank you for the creation. Thank you for your power and your majesty that is shown in your creation and the beauty of your sunshine and the beauty of your blue sky. The power demonstrated when you make the thunder and the lightning and the rain descend. Father, we are thankful that we serve you. Thank you for the salvation found in your son and especially thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place tonight and open your truth, our Bibles, and study from it what you would have us to know about being effective as those who would share the gospel with others. Help us open our hearts and dig deep into your truth and apply what we've learned so that you will, so that others will hear the salvation found in that truth that you may be able to call them your own as well. In your son's name we pray, amen. I was thinking about today's class, thinking about tonight's class, and we are very quickly, we've reached the, the midway point and very quickly we'll wind this study down. We're studying personal evangelism. And I've told you, I want you to get a different terminology in your brain so that you certainly can call it personal evangelism. That's what it is. And you can say, I am trying to be a better, stronger, more effective personal evangelist. Nothing wrong with that. But my point was, I don't want you to let that become a, um, an intimidating term. We are simply talking about if we are children of God, if we are walking in the light as he is in the light, and the blood of his son is cleansing us, we're striving to live that life of faith. That was 1 John 1, 7 and Galatians 2 and verse 20. If we're trying to do that, one of the things that will be an outpouring 
uh, in our lives as we let that light shine, we'll be simply sharing that truth with other people. We're preparing our hearts and our lives to do that, to do it effectively so that others hear the truth the same as we did. And that's all that personal evangelism is. And so in this class, it's been my task, it's been my, my uh, uh, goal I've been trying to accomplish, I hope not just to simply have a seminar, seminar on uh, personal evangelism. Hey, this is what it is. This is, you know, once you get excited about it, here are uh, several handy dandy ways to do it and now uh, go your way. Now, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But I wanted to take a different approach. I wanted to dig a little deeper. So I want you to think about it from this perspective. Every time we have a class, you're adding to your toolbox of understanding, of information, of uh, something to think about as we look at a different aspect of what's involved in that. And so as we get to the heart of that, we said that there are three essentials to effective personal evangelism. Three things if you and I are going to be effective. Number one, there has to be understanding. Number two, there has to be knowledge. What do you mean knowledge? Well, we've already said that uh, the five components of things that you and I must know, let's review just for a minute. To know something means to think about it and, and apply it and understand it at all of its levels. Five components of things you and I must know if we're going to be an effective sharer of the gospel message to the lost. We spent an entire class, maybe two. I must know the truth. We agree with that. Number two, I must know the world. The world that we live in now and the world in which the people we're going to be talking to. We had a great discussion on that. Now, the third thing I want us to think about, and you may say, well, now, I don't know that you need a whole lesson on that. I believe in God and I believe that Satan is real, so let's go on to something else. I'd rather not. I want us to think for just a minute, I must know Satan. And we're going to look at all those verses that I ask um, you guys to, to look up. And you're welcome to turn to them as well and write them down. Now, in 1 Peter, though, let, we are very familiar. Let me time out here. I want you to get this. As we study this, we've kind of accomplished two goals. Yes, we, well, hopefully you and I will get a little bit of better understanding about the adversary that we face as, face as Christians, that we must understand Satan as we live our lives. And that lesson will do that. Th this lesson will accomplish that, at least I hope so. The scriptures will, I know. But that's not our primary goal in this. Our primary goal is to understand the Satan, understand the enemy. In fact, let's look at 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering have been experienced by your brethren or in the brotherhood in the world, by your brethren in the world. He said, okay, it's always interesting to me that there are, the way he words that, whom resist steadfast in the faith, location in the faith, that's where. But the how is steadfast. So you and I understand, we understand, don't you remember we read 1 John 5, 18 and 19, that we know that we are of God 
If I'm a child of God, the whole reason for wanting to go out and teach somebody else, the whole purpose for wanting to go out and share that gospel is because we understand that was first lesson, first couple of lessons, is that if I don't obey the gospel, I'm going to be lost. Colossians 1 and verse 13, he's delivered us out of the power of darkness. And he's translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, that's what we want for other people. That's the whole point of sharing the truth with others. Is that correct? Nod your head like this. Yes, that's, that's correct. That's what we're trying to accomplish. That's what we want. But notice here, we understand that Satan is an adversary who will do everything in his power, it's that he's real, that he is an adversary, that he is um, a, a foe with whom to be reckoned, whom resists steadfast in the faith. We get that. Now, James 4, 7 and 8, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. We recognize before we ever get into this any, uh, any deeper, any more deeply, is that Satan is the enemy. He will cause people to be lost. So we're going out there. So when I say I must know Satan, I must know Satan. Now I wish uh, Carter's so far back there. I want to pick on him, but I don't want to. Uh, he's the only coach that I see. Uh, we got any other coaches in this audience? Now, don't make me come back there with a microphone, because I will. What does it mean, does a coach want to know the opposing team? At least nod your heads. Okay, yes. Okay, good. How do you do that, though? How do you go about knowing the opposing team? Anybody can throw out there. You study them. Now, okay, what? Scout, what in the world does that mean? Now, I'm, that's a great answer. But I want you to pretend that I'm really dumb. Jeremy, don't say anything. Uh, and I don't know what that means. What do you mean, study them? How do you study another team? Go watch them? Well, what are you watching for? Those are good answers. I'm, I'm playing off of them. Because you say, what's that got to do with It's got everything to do with it. How, you look for their strengths, such as, let's talk, let's, I was thinking about Carter. Let's think about baseball. You're going to watch film on their best what? Player. Especially their best pitcher. Okay. And you're looking for his strengths. You're looking for his weaknesses. Are you going to ever go to one of his games and watch his... and sit behind the plate? Sure. You're going to watch that other basketball team to see how they do what they do. And why are you doing all that? To prepare to go against them. Okay, look. Now, I said all of that when I say we must know Satan. Acts 26 and verse 18. I forgot who this... Okay, does Jeremy read that, please? ...so that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In that very passage, some of those same words that we have already referenced in other scriptures to light, to, the, to God, but from the power of Satan 
In the Greek, that word has the idea of just what it sounds like, power, authority, uh, uh, strength, and ability. You and I need to understand something if, as we go out there in the world and try to teach others, and we learn it helps us too, Satan has power. You and I would be silly to think that Satan doesn't have any power. We're going against an opponent. We're trying to take away from the kingdom of darkness someone who is under the sway of the devil. You need to understand he isn't going to let that happen without a fight. There's going to be something involved in it that requires me to know the enemy, to know the opposing team, to use that analogy. So therefore, I have to study Satan. How does Satan work? I know he has power. He does. What do those look like? Let's look at some of these verses. You're absolutely right, Marilyn. He uses different ways to entice us, Marilyn said. Somebody read Romans 16 and verse 20. Who, who was it? Okay, go ahead, sir. And the God of peace shall prove Satan unto your being shortened. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I want you to notice in that verse, and I included it for a reason, that the grace of God is mentioned there. The grace that's found in Christ is mentioned there. And it's interesting, in the same breath where he says, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. That's the idea of um, extend a a blow, a defeating blow toward him. He will uh, defeat him or he will stop him or he will uh, show his power against him. Satan can be withstood. Satan can be beaten or beaten back or stopped in his efforts, but it's important we understand how he is beaten. When we go out there, we have to understand there is absolutely nothing in my arsenal. I cannot be good enough. I cannot be uh, persuasive enough. I cannot be faithful enough to get someone else to heaven to even get someone else to obey the gospel. Sometimes we make a mistake by using our own persuasiveness or our own energy or enthusiasm to get someone into the waters of baptism when in fact they're not in God's camp yet because they haven't truly met and obeyed the God of heaven. And we're going to read a verse about what happens to those people in just a minute. We have to understand God has the power to bruise Satan. God can stop the efforts of Satan. So I wanted to make sure that was there. But now let's add to that 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2.11. Look at that first part. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. What is it to mean to take advantage? If someone gets an advantage, what does that mean? Found your weak spot. Power over. 
Okay, so does this verse suggest to us... Excuse me, let me say that better. Jeremy, does that verse say to us that Satan can and does and has the ability to get an advantage over me? Satan has the ability to get an advantage over an individual. We know that for a fact, Scripture just told us. And he said, but he said, lest he get advantage because we are not ignorant of his devices. What is a device? Say that again. Somebody to trick, trick you, trick somebody? Okay. Let's think about a device in general. Um, I don't know why this came to mind, but um, anybody ever been to a dentist's office? Oh, anybody go to the dentist? I don't know why it is. I'm a little better now that I'm older. But one of the most intimidating things on planet Earth... Now, I would never like somebody to, to pull a gun on me. That would not make me very happy at all. But one of the most intimidating sights to me is when that, assist, that, when that dental hygienist or that dental assistant so smiling and, and happy, and she says, good morning, the doctor will be with you shortly. And then she moves that little table with the most evil-looking uh, torture instruments I have ever seen in my life on that little table. Anybody ever felt the same way? Yeah, okay. There, I, what is he going to do with that? Uh, and I don't ask that because I'm afraid she's going to smile and say, just wait, you'll find out. Uh, those are devices that the dentist uses. It used to be interesting uh, to fish with my grandfather because he opened his tackle box. And there was a moment of silence and Bill Dance somewhere stopped and because he had all of these, he had all of these things in there to, to get whatever fish it was he was after. Those were his devices. Okay, Satan has devices. According to that scripture, Satan has the ability to get advantage over me, and he has at his arsenal things that will get in my way. Okay, I have to understand that as I am trying to teach somebody else. Okay. Somebody read 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. Number who that scripture? Did you hear in the depth of that scripture that it's no marvel that these false apostles, which was, which they were the topic under discussion, but he said, no wonder that they transformed themselves into angels of light. In other words, that's just a, a, a unique way that they appear to be harmless or they appear to be workers of good, or they appear to be uh, backed up by the light. He said, that's no wonder, because Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Wait, what does that mean? What does that mean that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light? I want to hear what you think. Y'all had a long day? Does that mean that Satan can appear 
to be harmless when he's harmful. I didn't hear words you said. Oh, a wolf and yeah, exactly. Exactly, a wolf in sheep's clothing. It kind of reminds me of a country song that I never really knew the words to. Something about a, a, the devil in blue jeans. Anybody ever heard that? Those of us of the older persuasion remember that song, right? Okay, the gist of that song was... That's right, and he does. So, Satan has the ability to use Scripture, to twist Scripture. We know that from his encounter with Christ in the wilderness in Matthew. We also understand that's what Paul says. So, okay, I want you to understand, we're going to drive this down home here in just a minute. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. I had one more reader, I think. JT, that you, therefore, will simply saying, but in it is a great kernel of truth. Everything that I'm wanting you to get out of this is I want you to understand, I want to know, I must know Satan as I am trying to share the truth with others, live it myself, but then share it with others. Satan has the ability to hinder us. That's either a true statement or a false statement. He has the ability to hinder us. It is true. If you let him, Okay, so now, now let's talk about it. he can t get the advantage over us. He can appear uh, uh, cloaked in goodness when he isn't. He can uh, deceive us. Uh, he can get the advantage. He can hinder us. How is he able to do that? That's what I want us to look at these next few verses. Does Satan have the ability? Let me ask you this question before I change slides. Does Satan have the ability to physically... Now, I'm out. I'm not getting into a long uh, discussion here in matters of opinion. That's, that's, an, that's for uh, a table talk with a cup of coffee. According to Scripture, after the death of Christ... Satan no longer has the ability to reach down and physically take a hold of me. I don't care what the movies say. Satan, uh, so let me ask it like this. Can Satan make me do something against my will? No. Now, no. He has power. He, he can hinder. He can take advantage. And I get that. He cannot make a person not obey the gospel. Just as surely as God will not make that person obey the gospel. So, are there any instances in Scripture that help us understand that a little bit? Well, I think there are. Now, 1 John chapter 5 is where we had already been more than once in this particular study. And just for review... We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. So that rendering 
makes it clear he's talking about Christ. And the evil one cannot touch me. So let me make sure I get that in my head just a little bit. That Satan's ability stops when Christ's control begins. That's the idea of walking in the light. I am the light of the world, Jesus said in John 8 and verse 12. Well, when Satan's ability stops where where the gospel and Christ's control of me starts. Okay, let's keep reading that. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Now verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see over in, in at least three times in verse 20, Jesus, the Son of God, has come to give us understanding so that we can know and we're in him who is true. And the evil one cannot touch us. Why? Because we're in him. So now we get an understanding of the realm of Satan. So how in the world does he do these things? Okay. These verses just give us a little something to think about. An interesting way to end our class tonight. To just think about it. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. Do I know everything there is to know about those five verses? I do not. I know what the scripture says. And I can make inferences from those, but then my opinion has to stop where Scripture stops. Well, I can have the opinion, but it doesn't make it true. Let's look at those verses. Open your Bibles to Luke 22 and verse 3. In fact, I, I want to volunteer to read Luke 22, 3, and then read 31 with it. Jared, uh, please. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. Verse 31, please. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like me. Now, two instances there. In verse 3, that's Judas. We know who Judas is. Come here again. Who's Judas? He betrayed Jesus, and we know Simon Peter, we know who Peter is, preached one of the first gospel sermons on Pentecost. We know, okay. Now, he said to Peter in verse 31, and notice he said Simon twice. The use of that repeating name was a practice in that time to show uh, a close relationship, an indicator of affection. So that stopped Peter short when Jesus said, Simon, Simon. In my mind, I can hear it in a lesser volume, but it doesn't matter. The two words made Peter, when he said, Simon, Simon, that made him stop. Because Jesus is addressing him a little more intimately. He said, Satan has desired to have you to sift you like wheat. Okay, so true statement, true or false. Satan has the ability then to sift someone like somebody sifts wheat. Well, if he desires to do it, he could do it if God let him, couldn't he? Okay, so he could do that to you. But what does that mean, though, sift you like wheat? Uh, 
Okay. Absolutely. Um, he knew that Simon was a target. Uh, worth, If he could get Simon, he would have a great advantage then. But, you know, for us living in Boonville, Mississippi, that idea of the uh, sifting of the wheat, the idea of taking the wheat uh, in that container and tossing it up on a windy day and letting the wind blow the holes in the husk away and the heavier grain would fall, that's the sifting of wheat. Now, we in the South don't do that. As far as I know, I know I've never done any wheat, but I do know what a pea sheller is. Anybody ever seen a pea sheller? Okay. Is it, is it kind of rocky? Does it do a lot of bouncing around? What's the purpose of a pea sheller? To separate the pea from the what? The shell, the rest of it, right? My grandfather made his own pea sheller, and it... <laughs> I don't know why I have these memories, but I remember uh, back on TV9 when they would turn that uh, big old cage and pull somebody's name out of it. Uh, his pea sheller was a lot like that, and the, uh, the peas would fall through, and then the holes would be left. Uh, and I've always wondered what it'd be like to be inside that thing. And it shaking, there's a lot of shaking going on. That's the whole point. You shake that basket with that wheat so that the grain will fall and the chaff will blow away or the hole will blow away. In that, he said, Peter, Satan wants to, he wants to shake you up. He wants to shake your thought processes, your faith, so that you get confused. Verse 3, it says he entered Judas. That's what it says. He entered. All right, now, let's not leave that thought and look at John 13:27. Okay, Jesus had a power we didn't have. He had the uh, advantage we didn't have. He knew Judas's heart. He knew what was going to happen. He didn't make it happen. He allowed Judas to choose, but he knew it was going to happen. He said, that's why he said, what you're going to do, do it quickly. Because he knew he'd made his choice. But two times he entered him. He entered him. So does Satan have the ability? Now, don't say if we let him, because but that's, yes, that's a disc for sure. But if we were, so Simon Peter didn't let, well, different story. He didn't let him stay. But Judas obviously allowed Satan to do whatever it was that Satan did. So, if we allow it, can Satan enter us? Yes or no? Yes. Can Satan enter those we're trying to study with? Obviously, yes. So, does that mean Satan causes us to do things we don't want to do? Uh, that, that, wait a minute, what did you just say? Not if we don't let him. goes back to what you said just a moment ago. Can he make us against our will? No. Okay. Oops. So, I'm thinking, so far, all you've done, preacher, is give me more questions. So let's do two more verses and see if we can't make this clear up just a little bit. Now let's go to Acts 5 and verse 3. 
Now, this is an interesting verse. You know, you read that verse. Well, that's uh, part of the history of the church. It is. Yeah, it sure is. Okay. But listen to how it's worded. Somebody read that. Acts 5.3. Peter said, and I, now see now those of you who are listening live stream make sure you hear the whole thing don't turn the TV off I want to make a point here what if I said this you read that verse and I said okay see it's not Ananias' fault there's no way Ananias went that uh, didn't go to heaven because Ananias couldn't help himself it say, uh, don't look at me that way, Marilyn, because it says, it, it says Satan filled his heart. So he, it wasn't his fault. No, now wait a minute. We know better than that. It become, that's a wrong statement because the scripture, according to Peter, according to what the scripture says, Ananias committed sin, did he not? He, ma'am. Ah, he died because of it. So, so, Marilyn, he was in the wrong, wasn't he? Ah, Satan entered his heart. Why did you let him do it? Now, barring the fact that... Um, barring the statement that, hey, if a thief really wants to get in, he'll get in. I understand that, okay? But... We lock our doors, we set our alarms, we do all the things that we do because we want to detour, we want to deter a, a thief from coming into our houses, right? In getting into our cars, of course, right? Yes? Okay. So, now, if we leave uh, our vehicles, if we go to, oh, let's, let's, let's go to Corinth, let's go to Walmart in Corinth at 2 o'clock on a Saturday morning, or on a Friday night, and pull our cars to the farthest side of the parking lot, and open it, leave it running, and open the doors, and walk, go walk into Walmart. If I come back out and that car's gone, whose fault is it? Because I let it happen. I opened the door. Satan entered Judas's heart because he opened the door. He let him in. Now, and again you say, okay, but how does that happen? One more verse, James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Marilyn, you know I just messing with your eyes. You can make a point. No. Yeah, in a good way. James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. I think I said 13. Somebody read 12 through 15. You don't care. Well, that's just a man of the earth's temptation. Or when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot get into tempted labels, neither tempted to any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then without Okay. 
listen to that terminology. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Both of those words. What's so interesting? Both of those words, the word enticed and the word drone. I believe it's the word drone. In the Greek language, those two terms, especially the word drone, drawn away of his own lust, is a term that was commonly used in the fishing industry. Really? The idea of a lure, the idea of a fishing lure, the idea of getting, in fact, what's the whole purpose of changing bass lures? What's the whole purpose of using those topwaters and then uh, throwing them into that tall grass and then changing? What's the whole purpose of that? To say it. And when... And when that fish sees that specific, whatever it is that gets that fish's attention, be ten lures go by that same fish. Where is that fish? Deep in those reeds where you can't get to him. But what does that lure make him do? To come out, out of safety. Now, when you think about that, Think about all the things that Satan is able to do. Now, I want to leave you with one verse. We're about ready to stop. There was one I wanted to add. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know this verse, but you know what? I have read it so many times, and until tonight, to be honest, this lesson, I didn't make a connection. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Okay, what did James say? God cannot be tempted with evil, and he will not tempt anyone. Watch this. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Okay, Satan works. Satan has power. He has the ability to place in our paths thoughts to which we are vulnerable. That is the very... Okay, Satan looks for things that appeal... Say that again. That's right. He looks for things that appeal to your appetite, and then he comes up with a scheme to cause you to go for that, right? Sure. Absolutely. Now, with that said, I want us to think about those. Let's make that segue into those we're trying to teach, those we are trying to influence. We understand Satan has the ability to influence or to, um, what's the word? Um, uh, say that again. Entice us. But I was thinking of where Paul said he hindered us, to hinder us, to entice us, and he's going to work at, that's the power of Satan, that he has the ability to know our vulnerabilities. Now, you've got to understand, Satan is not all-knowing. The Scripture never indicates that Satan is all-knowing the way God is. That Satan knows my thoughts when I'm praying at night, he's listening. I don't believe that to be true. But he knows our humanity, and he knows our weaknesses 
as much as we allow it. Now, the deeper I get in the truth, the stronger my faith gets, the deeper I'm ensconced in the truth, the less Satan knows about me and the less he understands about me and the less vulnerable I am to him. Why? Because everything about me has faith and truth wrapped around it. And Satan scratches his head because there's absolutely nothing he can do about it. Now, I meant for a verse to be on here that I had forgotten about. In, when Jesus taught the parable of the soils, the hearts, remember the wayside seed? One particular, that, that's such an interesting wording. The, soul, the seed that's sown by the wayside, the birds come get. What did Jesus say? The truth is sown in someone's heart and immediately what happens? Scripture says immediately blank comes and snatches it away. Fill in the blank. Who comes and snatches it away? Satan does. Wait a minute. Satan snatches it away right out of my hands, right out of my heart. Not against my will. But he has the ability to begin to distract me, to put other things in front of. Now, I can give you, I won't call any names, but I... One particular individual that we had begun talking to had attended with us. Worship, moving into the Bible study stage. The particular religious organization of which he'd been a party, they had no interest in, had really uh, kind of drifted and had begun to get interested. People here showed love to him. And you know what? Just as soon as... God's truth began to work on his heart and people, God's people began to... Guess who got real interested in him? Satan did. And all of a sudden, there were folks inviting him to go back to that other place. Hadn't said boo to him in years. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that's how Satan works. He ain't going to make us. He can't. But he can confuse us. He can fill our hearts and our thoughts, and he will do that with those with whom we're trying to study. And so we need to understand Satan is a wily creature. He's a deceptive creature. Yes, sir. It would be comparable. He doesn't have the ability uh, to do it against our will. But if we allow him into our hearts, then he has the ability to do what he wishes if we let him do it. So think about those with whom we're studying. whole point of this lesson, understand when you say to someone, hey, can we study? When you say to someone, come visit, and they begin to show interest. Hey, let's talk about the Bible. Let's talk about Christ. You understand that Satan is going to be scrambling to fill that individual's path, that individual's thought process with things that will distract, things that will discourage, things that will become important to them. That person may not have had much trouble with certain temptations, but suddenly when purity of truth is taught, suddenly those things begin to pull at them more than ever. That's Satan. Okay, I'm down to one minute. Pretty close. I'm getting pretty good at this. Now, Lord willing, 
As we talk about these components, I must know truth, I must know the world, I must know Satan. There are two more left, and probably, Lord willing, next week we'll look at both. I must know myself, and I must know the individual whom I'm trying to teach. Now, that's an interesting uh, discussion. Um, Sometimes you don't know a lot about them, but there are things that we need to prepare for as we think about that. And then we'll, we'll go a little further. Um, I appreciate your, your time, and I hope you're putting this, I hope this makes sense, that we think about these individual things and that you are beginning, because we are coming to that lesson, we're coming to that lesson very soon, in which we're going to talk about, okay, we got all this good stuff, now, tell me some ways I can actually do that. What are some ways, some possibilities, uh, that I can share the, the truth. We'll talk about some different things maybe you've not talk, thought about before. Okay. Yes, ma'am, of course. Now, I can only answer as, uh, I will tell you what I think based on what the scripture says. She asked the question, do you think Satan is waiting for us to, so that he can pounce? Is that what you're, uh, I think there's evidence in scripture to suggest that Satan does, uh, the fact that he is a roaring lion walking about, compared to, I'm sorry, a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he can devour. Both of those two words, walking and seeking, is in a tense in Greek we really don't have in English that has the idea of continuous action. It's always happening. So there's enough evidence to suggest that he is always on the prowl, paying attention, looking for those opportunities. Um, the fact that Paul says in Ephesians 5, give no place to the devil. Don't give that, that actual Greek word, and I've I got to stop talking. Uh, is the word niche, niche, uh, little bitty, don't even give a little place. Well, unless Satan was looking, he wouldn't see that. So I think there's evidence to suggest that. Uh, right. That's right. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about uh, when we talk about that practical side of it. And uh, there was, uh, I'd love to keep talking uh, about Satan's influence because there's another uh, aspect of that, but uh, uh, parents need to go get their children. Uh, let's have a prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to open your truth Forgive us, Father, when we fail to look deeply into it. Strengthen us so that we will. Help us put it into practice 
and share that truth with others before it is everlasting too late. In your son's name we pray. Amen.